today we will begin the priorities of the husband. <laughs> I had a new outline for it, and Stephanie says, uh, how many copies of this you want? I said, I don't know, four or five. She says, how about nine? <laughs> so, so, anyway... <laughs> Let's read what this has to say and uh, see what the Lord has to say. Beginning Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is grace, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Father, Thank you for the time you've given me to search your word. Father, you have led me into depths that I had no concepts. I thank you so much. Father, there's times I look at it and all I can do is be overwhelmed. I stand now, Father, saying I am not adequate. So, Father, I would ask you to teach my brothers and sisters that they may grasp this. Father, they've got to set aside the junk of this world and understand your design. Father, we love you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. I shared with you when we started in this book, it deals with the body of Christ, the unity of the body of Christ. In Sunday school, we were looking at John 17, the Lord's Prayer and the Lord Jesus himself prayed that they may be one, Father, as we are one. And I think one of the things that happens, no, I know one of the things that is going on right now is that in the name of unity, we are tolerant. And yet it is an evil time. Jesus's prayer was that you would sanctify them in truth and your word is truth. If we we're going to stand against the evil time, we have to know what the Bible says. And we have to mandate, this is what it says, period. And it doesn't tolerate. It doesn't compromise. It says, thus saith the Lord. Okay? And that's the unity. Now, we just spent some time looking at the priorities of women. We're going to spend some time looking at the priorities of men. But the thing that I also want you to understand is that what you're looking at is the dynamic 
of marriage. All right? And you have to understand that when that happened, God gave that as a picture of Christ and His church. And tragically, that's what it looks like. Our homes look like our churches. General Montgomery, anybody know who General Montgomery is? As he was preparing to fight Edwin Rommel in North Africa, made this statement, and I quote, Don't even think about marriage until you have mastered the art of warfare. Unquote. Okay? I'm not going to explain that. I'm just going to leave it lay. Okay? Why is marriage warfare? Why is it a battle? Please don't tell me it ain't. It is a battle. Why does it seem to be so tough to have such a really meaningful relationship? And listen, we, as a man, I remember the dating and the holding hands and the flowers and showing up at work. Surprise! Right? Remember that? We're going to go see a movie. We're going to go do this. I'm going to put my arm around you. Oh, you look beautiful. Oh, this is... And I'm going to take you to dinner. Where would you like to go? Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Let me get you a whole bunch of dumb things that you don't have no use for. (laughs) Then what happens? No, I can't meet you at work. I'm busy. What happens? What happens? You know, I got some young ladies here who have that thought. You got a young man here who has that thought. You know, maybe. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Think hard. (laughs) Our existence is about relationships. You know that? So how many of you get along perfect and a growing and, a, 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 and adoring your fellow co-workers. Hmm. Still a relationship. How many of you think your boss is the greatest thing since sliced bread? Ah. Still about relationships. And yet, the most needful relationship is the one that is between a woman and a man. In marriage. Yet the fulfillment of that is so tough to achieve a meaningful and and lasting relationship. Why is it that I see so many people, the longer they're married, the farther they grow apart? A relationship that gets better gets richer. It gets fulfilling more and more every day. Anybody seen many of those? (laughs) You have to. She hit you. (laughs) It's rare. It's very rare. Because I can count on one hand the number that I have seen. And what is tragic about it, most of these people were in their 80s. Uh, well, the Olfords are in glory, Heather and uh, Stephen. 
John and Patricia are still pressing on, but he's 85. She's, she won't tell anybody how old she is. I've seen it. I've seen those relationships and you go, wow, I know that my grandmother and grandfather is totally awesome. My grandmother had always prayed that uh, he would die before her because she didn't want anybody to have to take care of him. He died the day before her. So, you know, you see this stuff. I mean, it's there, but you look at our society right now and tell me where that's at. You know, and uh, most of it is usually a fight. And I mean, you know, well, it's money, it's this or that. And, you know, and I've had people say, well, have you seen those old movies? Yeah, I've seen Gone with the Wind. Nice marriage. Okay. It seems to be fighting and wars. Divorce is very common now. And I, as a pastor, for almost 30 years, the most repetitive thing that I've had to deal with is marriages. Okay? And there is a reason. There is a reason. It is, there is a, a very good reason that it is difficult. I do not say impossible. I had this conversation this morning. It's not impossible. It's difficult to make a meaningful relationship. You know, I think about people that I deal with in the secular world. Those relationships are difficult. Okay, because I got some knothead friends. The marriage is harder. I don't care who you are. See, there, there is a clear answer, and I want to deal with marriage this morning. Okay, I always, you guys always know when I move into a different section, I have an overview. Well, my overview as we begin the study of the priorities of men is the fact of marriage. Okay? I've got to spend some time, and I know that I am completely inadequate to share with you what God has shown me in my studies over the last two and a half, three weeks. But I will stand and admit that marriage is difficult on a good day without the conflicts that show up randomly. Okay? I want to look at the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. I want to begin in chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. I... Uh, have some very dear friends of mine that uh, he's a, a disabled Marine. He's met a very wonderful young lady. I've known her. I actually did the funeral of her uh, first husband. And uh, 
nice people, not saved. So they approached me about doing their wedding. And so I finally kind of dug out some time. And I said, we need to sit down and discuss this. And I told them who created marriage. I told him and her why it was created, the design that it was created. And because they were unbelievers, I knew that they couldn't fulfill the covenant. They understood. I mean, it was about a almost a three-hour conversation. And they know me. They know where I stand. I use some of this with them. Chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him a helper. Suitable. Make note of some of these words. I will make for him a suitable helper. Okay? Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and He brought them to the man to see what He would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds, to the sky, every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, man, and he slept. You know what that is? Divine anesthesia. Took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned it into a woman, the rib which she had taken from the man, and brought it to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay? That's God's design. That's God's design. So, I want to show you His design first, but then I want to go show you why it's so warped, why it's so much painful in marriage. This is a condensed version of the creation record. Man is the conclusion. This is the sixth day. Man is created, but God is not done yet because it is not good for man to be alone. I want you to note, he needs a suitable helper. From the beginning, God designed someone to be in charge. Who named the animals? Who's in charge? That's his design. But he also designed someone to help. Someone with authority, 
someone with submission, someone who leads, and someone who follows, someone to take care of the provisions, and someone to be provided for. We've gone through this. The women are to be provided for. I even showed you last week, if you have a real widow, what is the church supposed to do? And it literally means pay her. Give her money. From the very beginning, the man had the role of headship. Woman was the one that the headship provides for. Man took care of the woman. He provided. He protected. He preserved. And he cared for the woman who was his suitable helper given to him by God. Verse 21, cause of deep sleep. God provides a suitable helper. Adam rules this pure world. Remember, there is no sin in existence at this time. Adam rules it, and Adam has a helper. Verse 23, the man said, Now, I want you to get a hold of this because this is perverted. I'll show you why. But verse 23, I want you to know something. This is Adam's response. Having just met this woman, they haven't dated. They haven't discussed likes or dislikes. His conclusion upon seeing her, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That is a pure God glorifying relationship. I hear people constantly tell me that the wedding bed is where the two become one. That's not saying that. This has absolutely nothing to do with sex for the two to be one. This is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Remember what it said in Ephesians? You are to love her as Christ loved his church and what? Gave himself. Adam gave up a rib so he could have a what? Suitable helper. Listen, this is the perfect relationship. This is Adam's response. Had no problem. To me, is it no problem whatsoever accepting her. Why? He had already been told he needed a suitable helper. And God says, poof, there you go. He says, in every sense, she is one with me. This is not sex. This is a suitable helper that in every sense is one with me. There is no shame. There is no such thing as an evil thought. There is no 
perversion of sexual attitudes. It is pure innocence, and it's God's design. It's incredible. It's miraculous. And yet, in this union, there is a leader, and there is one who follows. One with oversight and responsibility, and one who is under that responsibility, and it is all blended into oneness. I, the more I read this, you're just like, whoa, whoa, oneness. He, he saw her and said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Eve's first response was a willing adoration of submissiveness. That was her response. And when that is there, you have a relationship that is absolutely fulfilling, that will absolutely thrive, and will continue to grow until death do we part. Man's provision was willing. He wanted to provide for her. And it's beautiful. There is no animosity. There is no struggle. It's the perfect union. Okay? Go back a little bit to chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, every tree that is fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. To every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This is the evening, there was morning the sixth day. Okay, the chapter one is sort of the, the cliff notes, the reader's digest version of what happened in chapter two. Okay, everybody with me. Chapter two broadens what he did on the sixth day. But understand this, what you see in the sixth day with the woman is still part of the, when in chapter 2 where you see him taking the rib out, that is part of verse 31. It is very good. It is very good. God gave this union And it was so blessed. How blessed was it? Now, let me show you something here. Because this gets overlooked. Because people get confused about this. They say, well, it looks like he made Eve afterwards. No. Back up to verse 27 of chapter 1. Look what it says here. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created who? Them. Okay. 
came time to name the animals. Who did it? Adam. Who had authority over the planet? Ah, wait. It says them. They both did. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Okay? But who named the animals? Adam did. So you still see the headship. You see the following. But when you see the authority of the union, it is them. That is a suitable helpmate. They had dominion. They had dominion. They had different responsibilities. Listen, they're running around naked. The woman ain't doing laundry. Okay? And I mean, you can eat salad anywhere. Different responsibilities, yet... It exists in such a oneness. The only thing that is seen is how they work together as flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Okay? God gave him a design. (laughs) The design was simple. Have children. Okay? It's not good for man to be alone, remember? So get rid of solitude. Right? First Corinthians tells me that sex is for physical fulfillment. And if you're not careful, you'll have kids. It was for fun. But yet Hebrews 13 says, let the bed not be undefiled. Okay? God provided in a perfect union all four in His design. God lifts up the wonder of that physical relationship. You want to see something that's really good? (laughs) Genesis chapter 26, verses 6 to 9. Jacob was sporting with his wife. The first sporting event in the Bible. Okay, and I really doubt if it was ice hockey. See, that was God's design. It was God's design. That is the union. When that man, and I'll deal with this more in the weeks to come, understands that our oneness has got nothing to do with the bed. That oneness is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Alright? But, it doesn't end there. Chapter 3, it changes. Something external. And it comes as a solicitation. I want you to know the serpent shows up and it was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And he goes and talks to the headship first. 
Nope. He goes and talks to the follower first. Goes to the woman. Indeed, has God said? You know what that is? Doubt. Doubt. You shall not eat any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden you shall not eat it or touch it. When did God say that? He never did. He said, Don't eat it. See the doubt? And you missed what God said. The snake bypasses the headship. Adam. Ladies, love you. He's still doing it today. Still doing it today. And I sadly have to say with some great success. The serpent goes right to the one who by nature is the follower. By nature, the weaker vessel. He approaches the woman instead of the man, for he feels that he has a better audience and provides her with an incentive. Look what it says. Surely you will not die, the snake says. For God knows on the day that you eat, From it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. What is he poking at? Pride. You're going to be really smart if you eat of this. The woman saw the tree. Look what happened. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was delightful to the eyes, what does the majority of advertising point at these days? It's fun to look at. Look, a shiny thing. That tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and she ate. The twisting of God's design. It was done by deceit of what God had said. And doubt, do you know what God has said? And then, dangle it in front of you. And then, I'll tempt your pride. The twisting of God's whole design at the very moment of temptation. From then on, marriage has been defiled. You want to know why marriage is hard? That very act right there flipped the roles. The woman took the lead, the man took the following. It's not the way God designed it. And if it's not the way God designed it, you're going to make it better, right? A failure to recognize the way God had designed it. 
That's what's killing our families today. God took that decision. She takes it to Adam. What does he do? He eats. Then God says, all right, fine. Your decision, I'm putting it in stone. Verse 14, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. That was to the snake. Then he goes to Satan. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's the crucifixion. Okay? So he's got Satan deal with, right? Then he goes on. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he... Will what? Note the difference? The word desire there, I heard a lady one time says, well, it just means I'm really in love with my husband. And I said, and that's a curse? No, the word literally means uh, subvert his authority. But God's curse will do what? Make him rule okay now it's gone to authoritarian you see how that works that's the curse of men I rule no you lead you don't rule that's the way it was designed and yet think of the conflict that is just in the curse she wants to be the head. He wants to rule. That should get along well. They call it, I see in a movie about that. It's called Clash of the Titans. The joy of having children will be painful. And then... The woman will want to rule the home. Have you ever heard this? If mama's not happy, the home's not happy. You know, that's a curse. That's from the pit of hell. And yet husband will rule. I want you to note that that is completely different. Completely different. Women shall seek to rule. And so what you see, the most basic thing in human life is cursed. Childbearing is cursed. Marriage is cursed. Woman is cursed. Man is cursed. To the man, he's supposed to be the provider, right? And it'll never be easy. It'll never be easy. Cursed is the ground. It's going to be tough to provide, dude. Pain in childbirth, problems at home, difficult to get food, and then to top it all off, death. 
all of a result of twisting the role of man and woman. The sin. When Adam sinned, his death and his sin is passed on to all men. Romans 5. Sin came in by one man. No, not Satan. Adam. In Adam, we all die. In Adam, we all sin. The race is cursed. Look at our society today. Okay, and this is amazing to me. Let me ask you a question. We'll be very philosophical about this. Who will deny pain of childbirth? I didn't hear anybody. Who will deny that weeds grow without any problem? You don't even have to water weeds. Who will deny that it is difficult to earn a living and provide? You ever fix something and a month later you have to fix it again because it broke again? That's all I do. I ain't buying anything new because it'll break too. We all agree? It's hard to provide for a living. Weeds are getting after it. And I've never had it birthed a child, but I had my throat choked once. <laughs> <laughs> Then let me ask you a question. Why don't we admit that there is trouble and conflict in the marriage because of total role reversal? And it happened in the the sin from the very beginning. And marriage has been tough ever since. God then placed it in stone. Thus saith the Lord. I will curse it and make it so. And the whole human race is cursed to try to make the family when the woman will try to lead and the man will be a dictator. And you want to make a happy, fulfilling home. Now, ladies, you can all sit there. I've had women come up to me before. It says, I want you to know, I am submitted to my husband. And I have the same response to every one of them. You should go tell him. Because you got to tell me, I know there's a problem. And ladies, I love you. Some of them boneheads are tough to submit to, ain't they? I understand. I know. The very basis of the women's lib and the women's right movement is based on this. The curse. Women will seek to rule. The reason? Well, men do it authoritatively. It's the curse of sin. Yes, there are some women who manipulate to absurd, but it's still the same curse. I've seen it. I know what it is. 
I've dealt with it in couples that come to the office and you can hear them. Yet we can sit in here today and say we know this and yet I know. You know what the word depravity, depravity is one of my favorite words, depraved. I love that word. Okay, in the original language, it means found useless for its intended purpose. I mean, that's just like, wow, man, I know a whole bunch of people that are, never mind. That's what our marriages are. Two people found useless for their intended purpose trying to be one. And that's why I will not, I don't do mixed marriages or unbelieving marriages. No. You're already cursed. You don't need to add to it. Well, but you, no. But I've known you for, I don't care. No. No. This is a manifestation of man's depravity found useless for his intended purpose. You know what I call this? You can look at so many marriages today and I see fallenness. This is the fallenness of man. Okay. Two things that you can correct it. Ready? You didn't think I was just going to all be doom and gloom, did you? Two things. Woman must go back to submission willingly and man must go back in love to lead. Have the woman as she is to be one with him. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Do that. Poof. And the world be going, whoa. And I'm setting a stage for you, gentlemen. <laughs> I won't see another man for six weeks. <laughs> gentlemen, give her everything that you would do for yourself. Uh, in case you're getting a motorcycle, dear. <laughs> Women are to be characterized by submission. Men are to be characterized by sacrificial love. How awesome would it be if our families were like before the fall? Now then, I know every one of you are saying, well, that's nuts. Really? In Christ, you're more than a conqueror. I have overcome sin and death. Don't tell me it's impossible. I mean, me to go to heaven, that's impossible, and I made it. I'm out of here. But you see what I'm trying to get at? We will immediately say, well, you just don't understand. Look at all the stuff that goes on. Nope. I'm just telling you. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. Okay, if you hear this message and you say, well, I can't do it, then you call God a liar. Two sinful people together in depravity will show itself. How many times have I looked at relationships? Now, I don't say this to people. They come to my office and they're hurting and the husband and wife ain't getting it working. And I say, well, you guys are just depraved. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't do that. Yet. 
But that's why the priorities for a man is the manner of love and the motive for loving your wife. If anything, man, we should want to love our wives because God gave us the ability to do it. He has poured the love of God in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we should be able to show that. I've seen it. I've seen men and women in existence today that had a marriage that looked like before the fall. And there's, I just kept thinking, they got to be faking it. I heard one family say, his kids, his kids were older. He says, I can never, and I think, how old was he? In his 30s, early 30s. He said, I don't ever remember my mom and dad raising their voices at each other. And you're like, what? What? You're deaf. (laughs) No. (laughs) And then I was talking to the father, and he said, no. He says, my mom and dad, you never heard them raise their voices at each other. Huh. I got a neighbor. (laughs) I know they love each other to keep yelling at each other. The manner of love and the motive of love. That's where we go next. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us assume the roles that you have pre-designed, pre-ordained for men and women. Lord, yes, I know it's hard. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't have taken Calvary. But, Lord, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. So, Lord, I beseech your throne on behalf of each of us that we bow before you in humble adoration and say, so be it, amen and amen. And, Father, may each of us walk in a manner that brings tremendous glory to the union of man and woman that we will look as the union between Christ and his church. To you, my Lord. In Christ's name, amen.